0: Welcome to the Robert J. Morgan Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you believe and cherish the Bible, and to learn and love Christian history and enmity. I'm Jared Brummett, audio engineer and editor, introducing your host, Robert J. Morgan. In this episode, Rob delivers a message at the Man-to-Man Conference that was held at Warren Baptist Church in Augusta, Georgia. As always, we'd like to invite you to visit robertjmorgan.com, where you'll find Rob's blog post, podcast feed, bookstore, free resources, and more. If you've not already, be sure to subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Now here's your host, Robert J. Morgan. Thank all of you. It's a real joy for me to be here. I am so thrilled, especially because I'm not a comedian, a coach, or an NFL player. I'm just a Tennessean a hillbilly. I grew up in the mountains. Now, where the pastor grew up, it's flat, Mississippi land, but I grew up in the mountains where God made the sun shine and we made the moonshine. <laughs> <sighs> my, my Uncle Walder, when he was just a young man, he fell in love with Bullardine. She was only 17, he wanted to marry her, he found out that she was a moonshiner at 17, but he loved her still. (laughs) But it is a joy to be here, this has been a tremendous conference, and those of you, your lives have already been changed, and mine has. I've, it would have been worth it just to come here as a participant, not as a speaker, to be a part of this tremendous undertaking. And I do want to just take a moment and mention a couple of my books that are back there. We have not only the Red Sea Rules, but the Jordan River Rules. And these are all, these two books are both marked down to just $5 a piece because we want to say for the price of a Hallmark card, you can give someone these products. And then, uh, I believe this is, we have everything is marked down. I think this may be, I'm not sure, 10. But 100 Bible verses that made America. Uh, The historians now are leaving out the Christian history of our nation. But the way the Bible has steered the leaders of our nation from the very beginning is remarkable. And these are stories that take you on a biblical tour of American history, and then when it comes to the future, the book of Revelation is the book in the Bible towards which all the other 65 books are moving, and yet we're afraid of the book of Revelation. It's really simpler than you think, and I explained it in the 50 final events in world history, and that book is out there. Also, I have a podcast every week a Bible teaching podcast, the Robert J. Morgan podcast, and I wanna suggest this for those of you who have small children. Uh, Maybe you don't have family devotions. That is something that you've never quite figured out, but every day on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, I put a 59-second Bible study, and I just go through books of the Bible. I mean, I've been through Isaiah 59 seconds at a time, one day at a time. And you could show that to your children every night at bedtime, say, let's see what Pastor Morgan says today, and then ask them about it, have a prayer. It would be a very easy way to get into the process of having family devotions with your children, which is very important. The nurture and biblical training of our children do not belong to the church, the church simply is there to augment and reinforce what happens in the home. And so to find a way of doing that every time you can, the Bible says that you're to talk about the scripture when you sit at home and when you walk along the way, when you get up, when you go to bed, when you find a verse of scripture that speaks to you, share it with your children, and just let that be a part of your life We are living, as you know, in an undisciplined age, and even our government is undisciplined. We do not have a well-governed nation. Maybe nobody can govern it. I don't know, but when you see the national debt and you see the way that the laws and the liberal agenda and the secular agenda is going, you say, we have lost control of our nation. But before you get too critical, You have to look within and say, our nation may not be well-governed, but am I governing my heart well? Am I overseeing the government of my heart as I should? And the reason why maybe our nation is not well-governed is because we are not governing ourselves. So today, I want to just finish very briefly with the subject of the well-governed man, The well governed soul. And I'm a Bible teacher, so I'm just gonna show you this passage and walk through it with you. It's in the book of Ephesians, chapter 3, beginning with verse 14. So, Ephesians 3 and verse 14. I think that if we could really understand this passage and get a hold of it, we could have a revival. I mean, if Asbury can have a revival, if the colleges can have a revival, if revival can take place as I've read about on some military bases, we can have a revival. We need revival. This, could, this, we, this Think about these thousand plus men going out and spreading revival. Well, this is a revival passage. So, Ephesians 3, beginning with verse 14. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure with all of the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, amen. Now, this is coming, it sounds like the end of a book here. I mean, he has a final prayer, he has a doxology, now unto him be glory forever, amen. And it sounds like that he is ending something. Well, he is. The book of Ephesians really falls into two great parts, chapters one through three and chapters four through six. And the first part is about how wonderful it is that God has blessed us so. It says in chapter one, verse three, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly places with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And he lists all of those blessings for us. And then in chapter two, he says you've come into these blessings not because you deserve them but because you have been saved by grace and through faith. And then he says in chapter three, and God has taken you and he has placed you in a special community called the church and then he ends with this prayer and the next three chapters has to do with how we should then live in very practical terms and this is where he says love your wife as Christ loved the church. This is where he says be filled with the spirit. This is where he says let not the sun go down when you're angry. This is where he gives all of these practical instructions for people who have already experienced the first three chapters you have to have the content before you have the conduct. You have to have the theology before you can have the behavior. So he gives us this wonderful opening three chapters and then he ends it with this paragraph. Now the first thing to notice here, if you wanna have a well-governed soul, is that you've got to know who the commander in chief is. He says in verse 14, for this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. He says God is the source of all of life. He is the source of my life. Every family on earth, including your family, came because of his creative genius. Every family that has had children, every marriage, that has had love, every family unit that you've ever been a part of, it was because of God's creative genius. He is the father of all of the families on this planet. He's also the father of all of the angelic groups of the angels, we can't imagine all that is in the invisible realm, but it says he is father of every family in heaven. Not just those of us who have died and have gone to heaven, and we'll be in family somehow up there, but the angelic forces. God is supreme. He is sovereign. There is no one like him. He is from eternity past to eternity future. He is the great one who made us, who loves us, and we've gotta respect his role as commander-in-chief of our lives. Last night I met a young man He's a soldier, he's a member of the United States Army. If the commander in chief called him and said, go here, go there, do this, do that, he would say, yes sir, that's what we say to the Lord. There should be nothing in our lives that he tells us to do or wants us to go, wants us to become, but what we say, yes sir. He is the father of all that is in heaven, of all that is in earth. Some of you have made a decision today, maybe last night, and you say, I'm going to let Jesus Christ be the Lord of my life. That's the greatest decision you can ever make, and until you make that decision, then you don't have any basis for operating in life. There's no way of knowing what to do or where to go or how to be successful unless Christ is at the center of your life. Now, it's not a matter of having Christ as part of your life. He's gotta be at the very center. This is what we call Lordship. He's got to be Lord of your life so that everything you are, everything you do, everything you say is from Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit as you are growing in him and he is the absolute center of your life. Let's say I were to sell you a house. I've lived in my house for many years. Now say I'm moving out of it and you come and we agree on a price and I sell you the house but I say but, I'm going to retain control of the seller. I'm gonna keep the key, you can't go in the cellar. I've got things down in the seller. Anytime I want to, I'm gonna go down in that cellar and get what I want, and I can do anything in that cellar, I am retaining ownership. You'd say, the deal's off. I am buying that house lock, stock, and barrel. You can't give the Lord Jesus everything in your life except the cellar. When you come to him, you give him every corner, every crevice, every cubicle. You give him every room. You give him the living room and the bedroom and the Dining room, you give him your mind and you let him begin to develop you and he's the Lord. So I would ask you, not just are you a believer in Christ, but is he really Lord of all there is of you? When I turned 70 last year, I prayed a prayer rededicating myself to the Lord when I was 35. I remember it. I was in Chicago, and I said, I'm 35 years old today. I'd better rededicate myself to the Lord because the Bible says we, our days of our lives are three score and 10, 70 years, and if so, I'm halfway through my life. So I knelt down in Grant Park, and I rededicated myself to the Lord. Well, this year I turned 70, and I thought, what do I do now? <laughs> that commitment has expired So I rededicated myself to the Lord again. And my prayer was, I thought about it for a long time and I wrote it out and made this as my prayer to the Lord. May all there is of me belong to all there is of you so that all there is of you might possess and empower all there is of me. And I want to ask you to make sure that Jesus Christ has all there is of you Don't hold back the cellar. Give him the cellar. Everything that is in it, he can clean it out and he can help you. He's the commander in chief. And secondly, notice a well-governed soul has not only a commander in chief, but it has control of the treasury department. So it says in verse 16, I pray that out of his glorious riches, that's the treasury department for the soul, you say, What's your net worth? How much money do you have? People like to define themselves in terms of commas today. So if you have $1,000, you have one comma. If you have $100,000, if you have a million dollars, you have more commas. If you have a billion dollars, you know, how many commas do you have, they say. Well, you have so many commas that nobody can ever count them because we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. And if things are tight with you financially right now, do your best, but remind yourself that you are rich because of being a child of the king. And your riches don't always have anything at all to do with your money, it has to do with everything else that God gives you both now and in the life to come. And that really is a theme here of Ephesians. It says in chapter 1 and verse 6, He has freely given us His glorious grace. It says in verse 7, that we have the riches of God's grace lavished on us. It says in chapter 1, verse 18, it talks about the riches of His glorious inheritance within us. It talks in verse number 7, uh, chapter 2, and verse 7 about the incomparable ages and riches of his grace. And so really, the first three chapters of Revelation are just an inventory of how rich you are. When you really study Ephesians 1, 2, and 3, you come away thinking, I am so rich. No one in this world has anything on me. I am wealthy beyond belief. And things may be a little tight right now, but God is gonna provide for my needs. He has promised it. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack. The Bible says if we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, everything else will be added unto us. The Bible says don't worry about what you're gonna eat or drink. Your heavenly Father knows that you need these things. You put him first and out of the riches of his grace, he will provide for you. But the riches to come is beyond anything that we can imagine and so we have the treasure department under the well-governed soul managed by the lord who gives us the inventory in the book of ephesians well thanks for digging into the riches of the bible with us this episode was produced by joshua Rowe and the marketing company clearly media audio editing is by jared brummett editorial supervision is by sherry anderson and Luke Tyler condenses and posts each of these episodes as blogs on my website at robertjmorgan.com, where you can find many other resources. Music is by Jordan Davis and Elijah Rowe. Please share this podcast with somebody else. Thanks for tuning in, and may God be with you until we meet again.